Come on, somebody give God some praise in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Tell him it's a great night to be in God's house. Amen to that. Please register tonight for open table if you plan on attending. That's Friday the 22nd. Amen. Christmas Eve, 10 a.m. For all you people that have been bugging me about a morning service, if you're not here, <laughs> I pray you lose the elasticity in your underwear at Christmas dinner. Amen. <laughs> 10 a.m. Christmas Eve and then 4 p.m. Why are we not doing 630? Because I want people at nighttime to spend some time with their families. Amen. Even if you don't like Cousin Eddie, pretend you do. Come on, somebody. If you're not sure who Cousin Eddie is, it might be you in the family. Come on. Especially if you show up with snots. Amen. I've been holding out for a management position for seven years. I'm going to preach you a little bit. Is that all right? We'll kick off the Christmas series. If you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. I'm going to preach to you a verse I'm sure you've never heard preached before. And I love doing stuff like this, in case you haven't. Why? Because I love a good challenge. I believe we should always be expanding. I felt God say to me a few years ago before I started this church, I felt God say to me, he said, God, he said, Tyler, he said, I'm always advancing and ever increasing. I said, amen. He said, then why isn't my church? Hit me like a log. Always advancing, ever increasing. Why aren't my children? I said, well, the problem's not with you, God. It's with us. Amen? But I believe that preaching should supersede thought. Should make you think. Should provoke you. All of God's word is profitable. Say amen to that. For encouragement, for correction, for rebuke, for whatever needs to be done, God's word can handle it. Say amen. amen. Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. I'm going to give you one main verse tonight. I'm going to pick this thing apart. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Huh? I'm going to say it again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, this is a very promising prophecy that Isaiah delivers to a people that have been cut down and reduced to almost nothing. Oh, man. This is a very promising prophecy that the prophet Isaiah is giving to these people who have been cut down to nothing. And he says, wait a minute here. You might feel like a stump. What's a stump? It's what's been cut down, left from a tree. Cut down to nothing. But he says, out of that stump, oh, man, come on, somebody. There's going to be a shoot that comes. Oh, come on, help me. I'm going to show you this tonight. It's starting our Christmas series. There's going to be a shoot that comes out of that stump, and it's going to come from the, the branch of the lineage of Jesse, and it's going to bear fruit. And it's funny that he, he's promising this prophecy to a people that have been cut down and reduced to almost nothing. Why? Because when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Oh, I'm going to teach you and preach you a little bit tonight. It'll be all right. When you feel like you're down to nothing, God is up to something. 
Help me, somebody. I said, God is up to something. When you feel like you're flat on your back, all you can do is look up. Hell, I'm here to tell you, look to the hills where your help comes from. Your help comes from the Lord, who's the maker of the heavens and earth. When you feel like you've been cut down to nothing, I'm here to tell you, God is up to something. You believe that? Take 10 seconds and give God some praise. So whether you're coming off a banner year or a barren year, God's up to something in your life. I said, whether you're coming off the best year you've ever had or the worst year you've ever had, God is up to something in your life. Come on. Tell your neighbor, say, God's up to something. I'm going to read it again. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Could it be that the branch Isaiah speaks of is a baby that was born in the town of Bethlehem? Oh, man. I bet you never heard this at Christmas before. Could it be that this branch Isaiah is prophesying about is a baby that was to be born in the town of Bethlehem? Could it be that the eagle-eyed prophet is seeing through seven centuries into our present hope? Or as Peter calls him, the living hope. The author of Hebrews says that he is this hope that is the anchor for our souls. I'm going to talk to you on the advent of hope a little bit tonight. That'd be all right? Let me tell you, you have a hope. Oh, man. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, you have a hope. Come on, you got to help me. We're a little light in here tonight. You got to help me. Tell your neighbor, say, you have a hope. I'm here to tell you, it's not just any kind of hope. It's a certain kind of hope. It's a real hope. That's like an anchor. Come on, somebody. I said it's like an anchor. You know the thing what an anchor is? It doesn't float on the surface of your situation. Anchors don't float on the the surface of your situation. Come on, somebody. You know where anchors go? Down to the bottom. And they hold tight while you're going through hell. Oh, man. I said they hold tight while you're going through hell. We'd be out there in my boat and heat to throw that little anchor over the side. And it catches the bottom in Lake Pack. And let me tell you something. It's amazing how that little anchor can hold that boat. It's amazing how you can have people all on the boat and that little boat's out there, but that anchor will hold that thing. Oh, come on, somebody. We used to sing a song back in the day called The Anchor Holds. It's amazing how there's an anchor for your soul. Let me help you. His name is Hope. His name is Christ Jesus the Lord. That when you're cut down to a stump, you look like you're going down for the last time. I'm here to tell you out of that stump will come a shoot. Come on. Out of that will be the branch that will produce great fruit in your life. It's great prophecy here. Nearly 700 years before Jesus was to be born, the eagle-eyed prophet is prophesying. Looking forward and say, oh, I know it looks bad today, but I'm here to tell you there's going to be a shoot come out of that stump. There's going to be something good that's going to come out of this thing. The same way in Genesis 50, 20, what man meant for evil, God used for good. And I'm here to tell you today, it might look hard today, but you're on the path to God's promise. Romans 8, 24, Paul writes about this hope. He says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Come on, I'm talking about a real hope. I'm talking about an anchor that will hold you no matter what. Come on, somebody. I'm not talking about hoping your football team's going to win. My God, I put that Steelers game on the other night. They suck. Did I hope they are going to win? Yeah, but that's not real hope. That's like it would be nice if they would win. How do you lose to the Deflatriots? Two and ten, and you're getting beat up by them. Carolyn said, what are you doing? I said, putting something else on. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my salvation. Amen. That's not hope. Come on. That's like, well, it'd be nice. Oh, I hope I win the lottery. Good luck. 
Make sure you tithe. Amen. That's the real hope. Real hope's an anchor. Hear me. That on the good days or the bad, my soul is anchored in him. Oh, come on, somebody. My soul is wrapped up in the thing and the person called Jesus Christ. It's a real anchor for my soul. Mountain high or valley low. No matter how hard the path might seem, I have an anchor for my soul. And his name is Jesus. Tell your neighbor his name is Jesus. It's a certain kind of hope. It's a real hope. It's a going through hell and I'm just going to keep going. My soul is rooted. I have a greater peace than any storm that's out there. Come on, somebody. I have a greater inward joy than anything that's out there. Why? Because I have this certain hope named Jesus. He said, but hope that you've seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, I left off last week. We honor God with our patience. I tell you this, patience is the proof of hope. Patience is the proof of hope. It's, oh, I don't care what tries to come my way. I will not be moved. Come on, I'm not going to be moved. Mountain high, valley low. I'm going to praise him. Come on, somebody. I said, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to give him the glory. I know there's an anchor for my soul that's greater than any storm. I know there's an anchor for my soul that's greater than any problem. Come on, somebody. I have this blessed hope who is Christ Jesus the Lord. And the prophet here 700 years before Jesus comes is saying, wait a minute, folks. I know it looks bad now. I know it looks like you've been cut down to nothing. But I'm telling you, there's about to be a rod coming out of that stump. There's something that's taken. come on, somebody, taking place there shooting forth and I'm hit looking forward to a baby in a manger 700 years number one tonight if you're taking notes it had to be hard oh man it had to be hard what do you mean seldomly great things are easy I'll take that one Holy Ghost grunt Now, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Don't get confused. But seldomly are things easy. Let me give you an example. It had to be hard for Joseph to really believe his wife, who he never had sex with, who was a virgin, was pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Come on, lie you fry. Tell me that wasn't hard. 15-year-old virgin walking around with a bump in her stomach. That's not what it looks like. Okay, buddy. I've heard it all before. Come on, somebody. Imagine how hard that was. In those days, if you got pregnant out of wedlock, your whole family would shun you. Society would shun you. You'd be thrown outside the city. And now he's got to walk around going, no, it's not what it looks like. How about being Mary shoes? I'm just talking on the practical. Imagine how hard that would be for Joseph to really take God at his word. To really believe God is the one who did that. It had to be hard for Mary to look people in the eye and convince them that what she was carrying was from the Holy Ghost. Come on. Oh, the Holy Spirit did this. Right. Let's uh, cut her off from the holy wine in the temple. Amen. She did a little too much. Come on. What I love about this is the way God chose to come into the world shows us the nature of how he works. The way God chose to come in this world shows us the nature of how God works. Not only did God pick a virgin and pick a womb that represents impossibility, come on somebody, so that he could bring forth infinite potential. Not only did he pick the hardest situation 
to bring forth his own son. But he didn't even make hotel reservations. Think about it. You're God. You spoke this thing into existence. You got a 15-year-old girl saying it's not what it looks like. The one that's betrothed to her saying, no, I promise it wasn't me. Think about this. This is like a, a sitcom in the making. Think about it. Next thing you know, they're under this cruel Roman rule. And they call for a census. And now they're putting nine-month pregnant 15-year-old virgin on a donkey. You ever ride a donkey? Not exactly a Cadillac. And then God, hear me, doesn't even make hotel reservations. And there's no room at the Ritz. And he didn't reserve an Airbnb. Come on, somebody. Why? Because God's giving us a glimpse how he can step into the hardest situation. Into the hard parts of your life that looks like there's nothing left but a stump. And say, I'll bring something beautiful out of the ashes. Come on, if you believe that, somebody give God some praise. You don't buy it quite yet, uh, quite yet. How about a quick history of the Bible that reminds us of the great things God accomplished doing it the hard way? Come on. Don't get me started. I can show you from Genesis to the maps some tough situations. But out of the hardest of situations, God brought some of the greatest blessings and greatest miracles we've ever seen. Come on. How he still provide a ram in the thicket. Come on, somebody. How God would still make a way where there is no way. And Isaiah is prophesying to a people who are under Assyrian oppression at this time. And Jesus comes into a world under Roman oppression. Why? Because God loves to come into hard situations. God loves to come into hard situations. You say, Pastor, this is hard for me. It's my first year without my loved one. Pastor, this has been the worst year of my life. How am I supposed to be joyful at Christmas? Christmas is hard for me. I'm here to tell you that God comes into hard situations. I'm here to tell you, take hope, take cheer, take joy. I know it sounds tough in the natural, but it so supersedes the natural and steps into the supernatural that God wants to do something in the hard situation, that God wants to give you beauty for your ashes. Come on, somebody. That God wants to bring something good out of an ugly situation. He still works all things together for the good. If you believe this, somebody give God some praise. And maybe you feel like it's been a year where God has pruned you some. I'm here to tell you that even in the pruning, there's a promise. Oh, man. Even in the pruning, there's a promise. The prophet says, I see a stump cut down to nothing. But I see a shoot coming forth from that stump. I'm here to tell you, God is up to something in your life this Christmas season. I said, God is up to something in your life this Christmas season. Come on, somebody. Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1 tells us, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. Now, wait a minute here. So we have this story. We're going to be talking about it in the next few weeks. But it's a pretty ugly situation, right? We made it as far as there's no room at the inn. So Jesus was born. You guys know, know, know the story. Wonderful. But now, not only is the Savior born into a crappy situation, but now they got to hide them because the world's under Roman oppression. So where do they go? 
Egypt. Why? Because he wouldn't look in Egypt. Oh, man. But now, wait a minute. We have another prophet that said all these years before, I loved him and I called my son out of called my son out of Egypt. Can I tell you, there was a type and a foreshadow of Christ in the Bible, this guy named Moses, who was also born into a cruddy situation. And he's floating down a river with alligators and poisonous snakes and all this craziness. And thank God, there's a woman from the palace that picks him up. And Moses has this war going on throughout his lifetime with his pedigree. And what he's been born into. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus. And Moses is born into the greatest of situation, but the hardest of situation too. Why? Because it's another glimpse into how God would come into the, how God would come into this world. Come on, somebody. Exodus 14 and verse 4 reads like this. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Can you imagine? God calls Moses, right? You guys know the story. This burning bush in the desert. Moses, Moses, right? Takes off his sandals, gets before God, and there's a, a bush is being burned, but it's not being consumed. He speaks to Moses, go back to Egypt. And, but Moses can't go back to Egypt because he murdered somebody there. But God's calling him to go back there to the hard place. And God says, I'm calling you to go back to the palace you grew up in. Look Pharaoh square in the eyes and say, God says, let's my people go. Now, here's what I don't understand. God calls him to do that knowing that Pharaoh's going to say no. Think about it. God tells you to do something full well knowing Pharaoh's going to say no. Knowing you've been cut down to a stump. But God wants to bring a shoot out of that thing. God wants to bring something out of that stump again. Come on, somebody. When it looks like he says, God, I can't go there. I grew up there. I get that. I had a little favor there before, but I murdered somebody. God says, no, go back and tell them, let my people go. Watch this. Now he's got a war going on within him. Oh, man, there's something going on on the inside. See, what he sees on the outside is a burning bush, and the burning bush represents what's going on on the inside. What's going on on the inside of him? His whole life, it's prophetic, folks. It's prof- I'm preaching a prophetic word tonight. It, what he sees on the outside is a reflection of what's been going on, on the inside since he was a child. He's had this thing burning on the inside of him, knowing what he was born into, but knowing also in the God who called him. So He runs, hides in the desert. Now God presents this burning bush in front of him. Tracking with me? And God says, no, you go back to the place where you were raised. I can't do that. No, no, you're going to go there and you're going to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh's going to say no. Time and time again. God could have took him the easy way. It had to be hard. Why? Because God could only get the glory from it. Oh, man. I'm going to show you something. And once again, I'll harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after you. Not real comforting. In case you didn't know, Moses is a man of one. Pharaoh's got all kinds of armies. And chariots and horses. Come on, somebody. And I have planned this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. Sometimes you got to go the hard way. You feel like you've been cut down to nothing. So God can get the glory and bring, oh, come on, somebody. And bring something out of that stump. 
I've done this in order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there as they were told. Let me ask you, it wasn't hard. You'd think it was you. Oh, man. Come on. If it wasn't hard, you'd do it in your own strength. If it wasn't hard, you'd trust in yourself. And yourself is not an adequate support system for the glory of God. I said yourself is not an adequate support system for the glory of God. Sometimes God will allow some impossible things in your life so you can know what Mary knew. So you can know what Mary knew. What do you mean, Pastor? That nothing should be impossible with God. Come on. I said that nothing. You believe this tonight? Somebody give God some praise. So a little further down in Exodus 14 and verse 13, we see this. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. I'm here to tell you, you might feel like you're cut down to nothing today. I'm here to tell you all you have to do, come on somebody, is just keep standing. I said, is just keep standing. Ephesians 6 says, having done all to stand, stand firm. You just keep standing like that stump and say, God, I believe you're bringing beauty out of ashes. God, I believe there's a shoot coming out of this stump. Come on, somebody. God, I believe there's a branch that's going to burst forth and bear great fruit again. Come on, somebody. I know it looks hard, but God, we're doing it the hard way. We're doing it your way, God. We're going to give you the glory for it. It looks like an impossible situation, but God, just like the Christmas story taught us, all things are possible to them that believe, God. I can't do this in my own strength. And God said, I never intended for you to do it in your own strength. God, Pharaoh said, no, go back again. Huh? You're going to kill me. Go back again. So finally, Pharaoh says, oh, yeah, I'll let you go. He lies. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. I'm here to tell you today, I declare and decree everything that's been harassing you, everything that feels like you make you feel like you're cut down and dropped you to a stump. I'm here to tell you today, God will rescue you, and it'll never be seen again in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, somebody give God a mighty hand of praise. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. How do I stay calm? I feel like I've been cut down to nothing. People have walked out on me. God, that relationship failed. God, it feels like I had the most barren year of my life. And he says, out of that stump, I don't think you hear me tonight. Out of that stump, I'm going to bring something. Something great is going to happen. Come on, something good is going to happen to you. Expect a miracle. I know it looks like it's hard tonight, but God is bringing you to the path where you're going to see the promise. God has you on the path right where you're supposed to be, that only he could get the glory for it. Only he could take that impossible situation and insert himself in there and say, yeah, I had to take you the hard way so you knew it was me. I realize that they're chasing you. Come on, you got the Red Sea right against you. All your enemies are closing in on you, but all I'm telling you is stay calm, huh? God, there's thousands chasing me. God, I get hard. This is hard as Hades. He says, stay calm. Huh? Why? Because I tell you, fear tolerates faith contaminated. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Read this for yourself. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people, get moving. Now, what's crazy to me is this. God could have very easily taken them around that thing. God could have very easily taken them around that thing. Instead, he says, no, I'm going to take you through. Oh, man. I'm going to take you through that thing. I'm going to take, it looks like it's hard. God, it's hard. No, I'm going to take you through it. And you're going to know, I'm going to take you through it. And your enemies are going to drown behind. Come on, somebody. And he said, he said hey, the prophet says 700 years beforehand. Yeah, things are bad right now. You feel like you've been cut down to a stump. But out of that stump will come a shoot. Out of the family of Jesse, hear me. And that branch is going to bear great fruit. I'm here to tell you today, it might look like the hardest situation in your life is ahead of you. And you wonder, God, why don't you take me around it? Because God's going to take you through it. You're going to go through it, and you're going to see the impossible things become possible because all things are possible, them that believe. Come on, somebody, in the same way, this prophet 700 years before said it looked bad, but I'm telling you, there's a shoot coming. I'm here to tell you, expect something good from God. Expect and trust his promise that God is making a way where there is no way. And he says, Moses, quit waiting your time crying out to me. Get moving. How am I supposed to move? I'm staring at my enemy behind me and I got an ocean in front of me and my knees are knocking and my teeth are chattering. Shut up. Get moving. Why? Faith without works is dead. Tell the people get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. <laughs> oh, I come to share with you tonight. You might feel like you're cut down to nothing, but God is up to something. Tell your neighbor, say, God is up to something. Come on, tell him, say, God is up to something. Watch this, and God says, and I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh. And his troops, and his chariots, and his charioteers, whatever they are. I guess they're cheerleaders. Amen. (laughs) When my glory is displayed through them, all of Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Sometimes it's got to be hard, folks. I said, sometimes it's got to be hard. Am I saying you're troubled? Jesus said, I don't believe that. Well, Jesus himself said, in this world you'd have tribulation. But he said, but take heart, for you will overcome the world. Come on, somebody. Jesus comes into a hard place in weakness. Think about this. Here he comes a babe in a manger into a tough spot. Amen? Comes into a hard place in weakness so you and I would know in our weakness and hard places that he would be strong. Come on. It's God trying to give us a glimpse of how he works. <laughs> what if you've been cut down for a comeback? What if you've been cut down for a comeback? What if God had to prune some people, some places, some things out of your life, and you feel like you're cut down, but God says, no, I'm not hurting you any. I'm setting you up. Whew. Come on. I'm cutting you down for a comeback. I pruned the tree back a little bit because you're going to bear great fruit. That out of that stump, come on, somebody, there's going to be a great shoot. I brought with me tonight my son's bouncy ball. One of them. You know the thing about a bouncy ball? 
It does exactly what it was designed to do. I got a light up one there too. That's for you. Amen. I'm, no. Watch this. This does exactly what it's designed to do as long as it bounces off the right surface. So if I try to bounce it off the chair, no such luck. But God, I feel like I'm in a hard place right now. God said, oh yeah, you think it's hard? Let me show you what happens in the hard places. Maybe not that spot. Watch this. You were designed. You have a force on the inside of you, hear me, that was birthed in a hard place. And it says, oh, you might feel like you're cut down, but you're actually set up for a bounce back. Come on, somebody. God put the same composition on the inside of you and I. That the same, he said, I gotta send my son into a hard place and I gotta show my son the hard way. Wait a minute. Even when Jesus died on the cross, there was nothing harder than that. But Jesus had to take the hard path for you and I. And they laid him in a borrowed tomb. Why? So he could bounce back. Oh, come on. He could bounce back up out of that thing and said, No, even death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold me down. Why? Because he was born into a hard place. It had to be hard so God could get the glory for it. It had to be an impossible situation so God alone could do it. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, I'm cut down for a comeback. Let me tell you, as a believer, you have the ability within you to bounce back. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls, he gets up again. Jesus was laid in a borrowed tomb, and God showed the world they could try to put you down, even at rock bottom, but they can't keep you from bouncing back. (laughs) They could try and bury you in a borrowed tomb but they can't hold you back from bouncing back. There's nobody that can stop you. Come on, somebody. Why? Because God's the one who started you, and just as I told you before, he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to a day of completion. The prophet Isaiah is saying there, I know it looks like we've been cut down to a stump, but I'm here to tell you out of that stump, come on, somebody, a shoot is coming forth. Let me tell you, you have a hope that bounces back. I said you have a hope that bounces back thing with this bouncy ball is the harder the bottom, the higher the bounce. I hit rock bottom. Oh, get ready, baby. I hit rock bottom. Well, you're going to blow out of there like a rocket ship. Because the harder the bottom, the greater the bounce back. Come on, somebody. The tougher things look like in your life, God is just setting you up so he could get some glory for a situation in your life. Come on, somebody. The prophet said, I see a shoot coming up from the stump. What does everybody else see? Stump. What does God see? Shoot. Everybody else, they're cut down to nothing. No, baby, you don't have any idea. I've been to rock bottom before. I know how to bounce back. I said, I know how to bounce back. You know why? Because your root system will always show if you have real hope. The power of a tree is never seen. (laughs) <laughs> in what the naked eye sees. The strength of a tree is in its... The strength of a tree is in its... Which is beneath rock... It's beneath rock bottom. 
There's roots that go deep down. I'm here to tell you, when everybody else sees a stump, God sees a shoot. That eagle-eyed prophet, when everybody else saw a stump, he said, I see a shoot coming forth. It's coming out of the household of Jesse, and it's going to bear great fruit. Come on, somebody, I'm here to tell you today, that same shoot's living on the inside of you. That same shoot's living on the inside of me. In the same way Moses had to be hidden, Jesus had to be hidden for a couple years. What I find funny is the same place God took his children out of, he hid Jesus in. That's the hardest place of our life. We come out of there. I'm going to hide my son. I'm going to hide my son there. Why? Because when you bury a seed, I said when you bury a seed, it always produces a harvest. Number two tonight, it had to be hidden. It had to be hard, and it had to be hidden. Jesus spent the first few years of his life being hidden from Herod. Think about being such a lunatic that you're so threatened by a prophecy from 700 years before. You say, how wicked this is. I'm going to kill all the children two years old and younger because you're threatened. Your kingdom's coming to an end. You think we have bad politicians nowadays? <laughs> oh, never mind. I'm glad we got Brandon and not Herod. Amen. Huh? If that offends you, you'll be all right. Listen, when God brings a promise into the earth, it alerts the enemy. I'll be honest with you, this time of the year, people give us some wonderful uh, baked goods, things of that nature. And now i got a spot in the house, a pantry, that everybody has access to. But I got some hidden places in the house too. Oh, glory. Sha-ta-ta-ta. Yeah. Somebody blessed me earlier today with this Gertrude Hawk basket full of stuff. He said, Now, Pastor, this is for you. I luckily when I got home this afternoon, everybody was taking a nap. You know where I took that basket of Gertrude Hawk? To the hidden place. Oh, glory. Come on. You got some she money at home, man? Come on. Lie you fry. She's sitting next to you. Don't say nothing. Call it she money. She don't know I got it. Where's that money go, Kurt? The hidden place. Come on, all the men said. <laughs> Come on. For the rest of y'all, we got a group for y'all. It's called the Neutered Scooter Club. Amen. No, I'll tell you <laughs> It's a joke, kind of. <laughs> if you can't laugh at stuff like that, honestly, I have, I have people that get uptight in the live stream. I would never go to a church where a pastor would say something like that. They're the same people sitting at home watching movies with the F word every other word. Self-righteous son of a gun. <laughs> I would never. Oh, I know. You were born with a halo and angel wings. Please don't ever come here. I don't want you to your perfection to rub off on us and ruin the rest of us. Watch this. When God brings a promise into the earth, it alerts the enemy. When God brings healing into your life, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. 
when you're in some of the greatest times of your life, hear me. The devil does anything he could do to steal that, to destroy that. Come on, somebody. That's why David said like this. He said, I've hidden your word in my I've hidden your word in my heart. For why? It is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path that I might not sin against you. The Bible says in Mark 4, the sower sows the word. But the enemy comes to choke it out. The cares of this world. Think about it. And you wonder why people are talking about you. You wonder why people, well, I heard, I heard, I heard. Yeah, staple your mouth shut. You're doing the devil's job spreading gossip. Last I checked, read the book of Proverbs. I don't care if you call yourself pastor, Bible college student, or anything in between. God hates that. You're making yourself an enemy of God. Somebody said to me, oh, you got something to hide. I got nothing to hide. Anybody that knows me knows my life is an open book. Isn't that true? But I tell you this, when God brings a promise into the earth, it alerts the enemy. God brings his son into the earth, into the hard place. But God says, now I got to hide him. Now I got to hide him. Some of the greatest victories in your life come out of the hidden place. The microphone in my hand, the crowd in front of me. No, the greatest victories you'll experience come from the hidden place. When you've hid yourself, oh, come on. You hid the word in your heart, and you've spent some time with God in the prayer closet. Come on, somebody. And you've been through some stuff, and you've prayed through some stuff, and you've had to believe God. Come on, somebody. And you've had to go through some hard times, and he's got some character built on the inside of you now. Come on. And you've been had to hide yourself away and say, God, it's just you, and it's just me, God. And I'm believing you, God, for the impossible. God, I'm believing you that you're the same God that Mary knew in the impossible situation. You're the same God that Moses knew in the impossible situation. God, I believe you are who you say you are, Father. And I believe that out of this secret place, the time I've spent with you, will come the promotion, will come the blessing, will come the breakthrough. Why? Because you spent some time in the hidden place. Real hope is hidden down deep in your heart where people can't get it. If people can steal your hope, then you didn't have real hope. I was laughing with Lou earlier this morning. I said, somebody reached out to me yesterday and told me, well, somebody's telling people you're in the mafia. <laughs> I said, it's news to me. But I laughed about it. I said, Lou, you know how much it doesn't bother me when people say dumb things? You know why? They couldn't steal my hope if they tried. The mafia couldn't steal my hope. You think I care about your keyboard warrior or your gossiping tongue? care less but it don't bother me in fact I laugh about stuff like this you know why because my hope cannot be stolen it's an anchor for my soul I got a peace about me I'm telling you because I've been through some stuff I got a peace on the inside of me on your best day you couldn't disrupt it try I dare you end up with two black eyes amen why because I've learned how to bounce back from the hard place I've learned a thing or two while at rock bottom. Come on. I would encourage you the same. To trust God in the hard places. To trust God in the hidden place. Amen. <laughs> I heard yesterday you're in the mafia. I said really? With who? From where? I don't think I have that much Italian in my blood. My kids have a lot more than I do. Think about the craziness. 
People say the craziest stuff. And people are dumb enough to believe it. I can't believe there's people still believe what the news says. Were you hitting under a rock the last how many years? It's time to bounce back from the nonsense. Come on. Can you imagine if I'm in the mafia? Hey, whatever. You know what I told Lou? I should probably shouldn't say this, but I will. I said to Lou, that's, not, that's one rumor I don't care to stop. <laughs> I said, you know why? Because all these people that are gossiping and running their tongues and whatever else, they're going to be afraid for their life. <laughs> Bunch of dummies. You deserve it. Amen? But real hope, hear me, it's hidden down deep in your heart where people can't get it. Some people give their hope away easily because they've not learned how to hide it. You got to protect the things God's given you. I see you got to protect the things God's given you. You got to hide some things in your heart. Come on, somebody. If you only have hope when good things happen, <laughs> how's your hope when God's silent? Come on. I don't believe you have real hope when everything's good and roses. I believe real hope is built when God is silent. When the feelings go away. Well, I don't feel them like I used to. Good things are that faith is not moved by feelings. Real faith. I'm not talking mental assent. I'm not talking you think you have faith, you think you have hope, and somebody said something about you, it's so next to you know you're running and crying and hiding or whatever you're doing. I'm talking about real hope that's anchored in your soul whose name is Jesus Christ. They might think they're cutting me down to a stump, but here's what I know. I'm coming out of shoot in Jesus' name. They might see stump, I see shoot. Just like God sees the gift of faith takes over, and I see shoot. Come on, somebody. Tell your neighbor, say, I see shoot. The roots are the part of the tree you can't see, but that's where the action is. I said that's where the action is. As long as the tree stays rooted, it has the promise of new beginnings. As long as you stay rooted, hear me, you have the promise of new beginnings. As long as you stay rooted in the house of God, as long as you stay rooted with your faith in God, and you believe that God is going to do something out of the stump, hear me, you have the promise of new beginnings. But when you're not rooted, no more roots, no more promise. What about disappointment? I believe God can turn disappointment into an even deeper hope. Oh, man. I said, I believe God can turn disappointment to an even deeper hope. Let me ask you this. We have what Isaiah hoped for, but do we take it for granted because we have it? Come on. Do we take it for granted because we have it? 700 years before Jesus is born, these people, the only hope they have is what the prophets prophesy. You and I have the hope of glory living on the inside of us. And people take it for granted. Worship team, you can come back. People take it for granted. Well, I'll go to church if I feel like it. Oh, you go to work whether you feel like it or not. Don't tell me you serve God and don't serve money. Well, I don't feel like going to work today. Yeah, but you still go there because you're chasing paper. As you should go to work. Amen. But well, you should also get your butt to God's house. Amen. I said, get your butt to God's house. Amen? Amen. We have people here tonight that drive over one hour to be here each way. 
And guess what? The rain didn't deter them. Well, I'd like to go, but uh, that's like a mile from my house. It's dark out. It's raining. I don't know. No, remain a stump. It's amazing how the hope that was prophesied to these people, they would beg, borrow, still do anything to receive that hope. You and I have it living on the inside of us. And we take it for granted. God help us, amen? Tell you this, your faith is hidden beneath your feelings. I said your faith is hidden beneath your feelings. Hope doesn't need a how when it knows the who. Hope doesn't need a how when it knows the who. I don't need to know how God's going to do it. I just know him, and I know he's going to do it. I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah, and that's why it's taking so freaking long. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to play God. Play your part. Stump. Stop trying to be the shoot when you're the stump. Well, I don't know how God's going to. Don't worry about all that. I've never worried how God's going to do something. I trust he's God and I'm not. It's good enough for me. How's he going to heal somebody? I don't know. I just know he promised healing. How's he going to bless somebody? I don't know. I just know he spoke it, so he'll also perform it. How are they going to come back from that? I don't know, but I know God will make a way where there is no way. It's not my job to figure out the how when I have hope in the who. Come on. The living hope is the anchor of our souls. Come on. Hebrews 6.18. The passion reads like this. So it is impossible for God to lie. For if we know that his promise and his vow will never change. And now we have to run into his heart to hide ourselves. Huh? In what? His faithfulness. We hide ourselves in his faithfulness. Come on. This is where we find the strength and comfort for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time. An unshakable hope. We have this certain hope. I preach it to you. We have this certain hope. Come on, say certain hope. Like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat. It's fastened to the mercy seat. In the heavenly realm, beyond the sacred threshold, and where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone in before us. He is now and forever our royal priest, like Melchizedek. If you believe that, somebody give God some praise. I'm here to tell you this. Hope is here. I said hope is here. But it's not yours until you take a hold of it. Hope is here, but it's not yours until you take a hold of it. It's provided. Salvation is provided for everybody. But not everybody gets saved. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Come on. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. You can't have the fruit of fulfillment without the branch of Jesus Christ. 
You can never have the fruit of fulfillment in your life without the branch of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. This shoot of hope is being born today as the word of God goes forth. I'm here to tell you, you might have come in feeling like you're cut down to nothing. But I'm telling you, God is up to something. Luke 2.11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I close with this. This is the hope. Tell your neighbor, say, this is the hope. He is the branch. And now is the time. Come on. This is the hope. He is the branch. Now is the time. You might feel like you're in the hardest season of your life. I'm here to tell you, God is going to bring something great out of the hard place. God is going to bring something great out of the hidden place. Why? It's a sneak peek into how God works in our lives. So take great comfort. Know this in the season of Advent that we have a living hope. It's an anchor for our souls. His name is Jesus Christ. The whole reason for the season is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about people receiving a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen? We're going to pray in just a minute. I'm going to offer this branch of hope to you today that you would receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every time I preach the gospel, I call men and women to repentance to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Amen? Before we do, Just before we do that, Will, if you'd come here, Brooke, would you come with him? I won't embarrass you if I haven't already. Here's a wonderful young man and young lady, which makes me feel old because I've known Brooke my whole life. I know her parents, grandparents, and brother, and all kinds of. And Will is 19, just got back from basic training uh, with the Coast Guard. And some of you might notice or not, I baptized Will just a couple days before he left for the Coast Guard. And awesome. But at 19 years old, we were having this discussion earlier today. He said, Tyler, I don't think you understand. He said, I didn't grow up religious. But he's coming to a right relationship with God. He received this branch of hope. Come on, somebody. At 19 years old, married, serving our country, serving our God. We could use some more 19-year-olds like that in our world. Amen. Amen. But I called them up here. I want everybody to stretch a hand towards Will and Brooke. They're getting ready to leave. They're moving to Corpus Christi, Texas, where you'll be stationed on an 87-foot cutter, he told me, which is good news. It means they'll be home with his bride a lot. Amen? You're not leaving him at sea for a few months at a clip. He'll be sailing down to Mexico, enjoying the sunshine. I might sail there myself pretty soon. Amen? Not 87-footer, though. I'm thinking of a Royal Caribbean cruise ship, but that's a whole different story. Good people right here. I've had the privilege to pastor, to baptize, but now to send out, too. Brooke, come faithfully every Sunday night while Will was away. 
her mom come with her, mother-in-law come with her, trusting the Lord's hand upon them. And I believe the Lord's hand will be upon you in Corpus Christi too. And the crazy thing is, Brooke's great uncle, Bishop Bob Jane, some of you might know him, some of you don't. Isn't that funny? He's uh, over a bunch of churches in that same area in Texas. Years ago, Bishop needed some help. They had a, uh, I don't know, it was a tornado or a hurricane, something come through and blow the roof off one of the churches. And I helped him raise some money and put a roof on that church. And what a rich Pentecostal heritage, hear me, that God has blessed us with. And now it's funny how it just goes from generation to generation. You know what I'm saying? My grandparents, Brooks family, served together in the ministry. Our parents grew up together in the ministry. I'm a little bit older than her. You wouldn't know by looking at me. That's where you say amen. You don't laugh. You say amen to that. But now having the privilege to pastor people, to see how the gospel has changed your life, how this shoot of Jesse has turned into a branch that has bore great fruit. Isn't that a blessing? A wonderful young guy, a wonderful young lady. But I told him, I said, when you come over tonight, I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe God's hand of blessing upon you, his hedge of protection. It's funny, he told me earlier, he said, Pastor, it's just like something is gone and come back. There's no place like home. He said, this is home. I said, I believe that, amen? That's the only reason I'm here. The day it doesn't feel like home is the day I'm gone. Stretch a hand towards this wonderful young couple. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you what you've done in Will's life. Now, you haven't told me much about your past, and I know a little bit, but it's amazing how God saved you. It's amazing how you went to your first year of college and thought, boy, this ain't for me. A bunch of partying knuckleheads. <laughs> and how God did a work in your life, giving you a beautiful bride who loves the Lord. What a blessing of God. Just as I told you today, you'll look back. You're already way ahead of people your age. But you guys will look back a few years from now and say, my God, we made the best decision of our lives to serve God, to serve each other, and be committed to his house. Father, I put a hedge of protection around this wonderful couple. I put angels on assignment to protect them, God. Bless them, honor them, fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. From their church right here at Thrive Church, we bless them. We commission them. We love them, God. This will always be home. But I pray as Will goes and Brooke goes, your hedge of protection upon them, your blessing that goes before them, God. I pray the Lord's safety upon you and the both of you. I pray that no sickness and disease will harm either one of you. Just as we talked earlier, God's healing hands are upon you. Gifts of healing and working of miracles. In Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. Father, I thank you for the servant's heart. This wonderful couple both have. Committed to your house, God. Committed to serving you at 19 with their time, their talent, their treasure, Lord. Bless them. Honor them. Give them great favor as they go. And we look forward to seeing them again soon. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.
Isn't that wonderful? Here I am, pastoring in Honesdale. People getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, making a decision to follow Jesus, making a decision to serve God, serve their country, serve one another. That have to be Jesus. Most 19-year-olds are looking for welfare as a career choice. That's a whole different story. <laughs> if that's you, just keep looking forward. I'll iron you out. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you don't know my Jesus. Maybe you don't know this great branch, this great shoot known as Jesus Christ that came into the hard place known as this world as broken, fallen humanity, and God hit him. God did something great with him. God revealed his son to the world. And thanks be to God that Jesus did all the hard things for you and I. That Jesus bore the cross for you and I. That Jesus was beaten and stripped and wounded and pierced and essentially murdered for you and me. Why? Because he was willing to go the hard way. He was willing to do it God's way. And he said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But he realized that he had to endure some things to receive God's promise in his life. Maybe you don't know my Jesus. Tonight's your night to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior on this first night in our Christmas series. May you know there's a living hope named Jesus Christ, an anchor for your soul that is greater than any trouble, that is greater than any sin, that is greater than any sickness or disease. His name is Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm asking you to repeat this prayer after me. It's not a prayer that saves us. Faith in Christ alone is saved. Say, dear Jesus, I admit I need you. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Say, Father, forgive me of all my sin. I repent. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. Say, Father, thank you for Jesus. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to congratulate you for making the greatest decision you've ever made. Welcome to the family of God. You just joined the most mixed up bag of nuts you ever met. Amen. No, everybody is somebody to Jesus. And I'll tell you this, I'm going to turn you loose. There is no such thing as forgiveness without repentance. You must repent of your sin to be forgiven. You can't just, well, I'm forgiven. No, you didn't repent. There's no forgiveness of sins without repentance. Repentance is key. If you're going to walk this life out, and bear great fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. A couple of things, and I'll cut you loose. Number one, go to church. Tell your neighbor, go to church. Well, you found it one time, now find it every time. Amen. Go to church. We're here every Sunday night at 6.30. Friday night, the 22nd, open, open table. You can register in the lobby. Do so before it's too late. Amen? Amen? Christmas Eve, 
10 a.m. I told you once, I'm going to tell you again. All you people, yeah, I'd come if you had a morning service. Listen to me on the other side of that camera. Get your butt here. I'm never having a morning service again. If he'd just have a morning service, I'd go. Let's, we'll see. Why you fry? Amen. Better see you Christmas Eve with bells on. Just no tambourines. It's a joke. Go to church. Number two, read the Bible. Now we're getting ready to finish out one year. And start a brand new year. Amen. This church reads the Bible together in a year every year. What a blessing it is to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's completely free. Amen. To read through the Bible in a year. It's a great accomplishment. My goal is I do a different version every year. I just want to get as much of God's word in my spirit as I can. If you need a Bible, that handsome looking guy back there. Jim, don't turn around. I mean you. Amen. There's nobody behind you, brother. It's only you. Where they're at, him, Kareem, a couple other tough-looking guys back there. Larry, Moe, and Curly. They'll give you a Bible free of charge. There never, ever is a charge for the gospel. Amen? Go to church, read the Bible. Number three, pray every day. Not just on the bad days. Not just when you're in trouble, mama. Pray every day. Have an attitude of gratitude towards God. Be grateful for what God's done for you. Be grateful for what God's doing in your church. I would appreciate if you'd pray for me. And pray for this church. Pray for my family. Why? You going through something? Nah. People bark. They always bark. You know what you do with barking dogs? Leave them staring at the moon. Some of you get that on the way home. Just depends what moon, Kurt. Amen. <laughs> For those of you who don't get it, you clearly missed open table. You should have been here. See, now you're not on the inside track with the jokes. You're on the outside track. Amen. On the outside looking in. In more ways than one. You leave the barking dogs stare at the moon. You know what happens with them? Barking dogs die and the moon keeps shining. Huh? You'll figure it out. For the record, it has nothing to do with being connected to the mafia in any way, shape, or form. Amen. <laughs> I couldn't believe people would be so stupid, but here we are. Then again, there's people that believe other people got 81 million votes, but that's just, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> that was for free. You pick on the Democrats. Don't worry, I pick on Republicans too. I pick on them all. Amen. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm more of a Jesus for president kind of guy, but here we are. <laughs> Why? Because if your hopes in anybody but God, is it going to fail? But God will never fail his people. Amen? All right, I'm done making jokes. I'm sure people are turning blue on either side of that live stream. <laughs> My Lord, we're going to make our way up to Montreal. Uh, hopefully the day after Christmas or Christmas night, whatever. I told Carolyn, I said, you got to convince them to have Christmas on the 26th. So we could be here with my family and then go. I haven't been up to Montreal in about five years, mostly because he needed a paper to get him for a while, and uh, I never got those papers. You could figure that out in the ride home. But there's one thing I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. 
when I go to, anytime we go to Montreal and get together with the big Italian family, there are some confused people on their politics. And boy, I know they're raring all year for an argument. <laughs> and anybody that knows me knows that the Bible says always be ready to give a defense. So some of us are looking forward to Christmas. Amen? <laughs> I haven't ironed them out in about five years. I got five years of it rearing up on the inside of me. <laughs> Relax. It's a joke, kind of. <laughs> when we get there, Harrison, they'll put us on certain sides of the table to space the thing out, you know? <laughs> That's just on Christmas Day. I'm not even talking Montreal. Amen. No, I'm teasing. Look, I want you to enjoy yourselves. Really, I want you to have a great life. I hope you know I'm rooting for you. I really love seeing God's blessing in people's lives more than anything. I hope that if you got to go to Christmas with some family that are confused, you iron every one of them out. Amen. No, I'm teasing. No, no, I, I hope you have a great time. I really mean that. Well, I poke the bear a little bit. Oh, you better believe it. I enjoy it. How about you? I had somebody get all uptight about a watch or something earlier this week. I went ahead and reshared it on my thing with laughing faces. Oh, man, I poke right back. We got a voicemail earlier this week. <laughs> I don't know why I'm telling this stuff. Somebody. I have some comments about the preaching on TV at 5 o'clock in the morning. Of course, they never leave their name. But they're not smart. We have caller ID. Amen. <laughs> Just pray for them. He said, the preaching was great, but I have a few things to say. Number one, that preacher has a butch haircut. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> See how much stuff don't bother me? Like, I enjoy laughing at this stuff myself. I can't even think what the second one was. Where's Carolyn with the kids? Butch haircut. Oh, uh, I shouldn't be allowed to wear T-shirts when I preach because my biceps will cause somebody to stumble. <laughs> Lucky they're not watching with the jean jacket tonight. This is gospel truth. My wife took the message down to church. If Cindy was here, she'd tell you. I'm just glad it was a woman saying that, not a man. Amen. <laughs> My wife texts me this stuff like she knows I get a kick out of it. And number three, that's an expensive watch you're wearing. No preacher should wear a watch like that. If you have that, keep it at home. <laughs> I thought to myself, well, how do you care? You didn't pay for it. You don't like it? You ain't going to like the harvest. I've given away over 30 of them. People don't know your seed. It made me laugh so hard. So I hope my butch haircut, whatever that means. I'm sorry. I was gladly going to wear a mullet, but my wife won't let me. My biceps. Thanks for stroking my butch haircut. And my expensive watch. 
But at least you enjoyed the sermon at 5 a.m., amen? If you're watching tonight, you can write me at 1112 Church Nazis. You get a kick out of stuff because I do. Why do I tell you all that? Because just enjoy yourself. Don't let anybody steal your hope. Don't let anybody steal your joy. Don't let anybody steal your peace. I tell Lou, Lou things. He laughs at me. He says, I can't believe you say some of the stuff you do. I said, buddy, I love poking the bear. Then I tell you that on the way up here? I said, this one guy today, he posted this thing about something about me with a watch or something. He got over 20,000 followers. I said to Lou, I said, most people that upset them, I look at it this way. You just put me in front of 20,000 people that knew who I was before. I appreciate that. Do it again sometime, would you? <laughs> if that offends you, you're in the wrong church. Why? Because either, watch this, you can take the bait of Satan and be offended. Or you can say, I have such an unshakable hope on the inside of me that there's nothing that's going to bother me. Come on, somebody. There's nothing that's going to deter me. And even the things people think they're going to use to hurt you, you'll turn around with a smile on your face. Come on, somebody. And say, I know what man meant for evil. God is going to use for good. Amen? You believe that? Somebody give God a mighty hand of praise. So if you're watching, (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful night. That's the nicest thing I know how to say. Amen. Every hand lifted to heaven. I'm going to turn you loose in just a minute. This help you tonight? I never heard that scripture preached before. Isn't that all right? I love diving into the hard things of God's word. Because then when you go and read God's word, or you see that, you go, oh, wait a minute. I learned something about that. Why? Because teaching and preaching should run hand in hand. My friend Chad out in California, he said something about that today. It was wonderful. Hallelujah. It's going to be all right. Tell your neighbor it's going to be all right. <laughs> Man, I feel joy bubbling up on the inside of me. How about you? Even if you got to look at my butch haircut and laugh about it. What's a butch haircut even mean? I don't think I want to know. Amen. Probably not one you want to Google. Not now. <laughs> I hope every time you see me, you think of my butch haircut and my offensive T-shirts and my expensive watch. (laughs) And I hope it drives you bonkers. See how you can laugh right at the stupid stuff? I mean, really, I'm giving you a practical example of how it really means nothing what people say. It means nothing what people think. If your identity is that shallow that somebody says something and you're all hurt and you're offended, whatever, stop letting them get your goat. Quit being the goat. Come on. Or the whatever. Just enjoy your life. I said just enjoy your life. And remember, hear me, you have an anchor for your soul. That you can bounce back from anything. And your anything is God's everything. Amen? With hands lifted to heaven. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, 
I put a supernatural hedge of protection around these people, God. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in and through this house, God. I pray, God, that everybody in this place would receive a greater revelation of the unshakable hope that lives on the inside of them. The hope that's an anchor for their souls, Lord. That they'd come to realize when everybody thinks they're a stump, there's a shoot that's coming out of them. God, that they're a branch that'll bear great fruit for you. I pray as people travel home tonight, your hedge of protection upon them. I pray just as you said in Psalm 91, Father, that though a thousand may fall at their side and 10,000 at their other side, nothing will harm them or their household. No deadly plague will harm you. In Jesus' mighty name. I said in Jesus' mighty name. That's the anointing just drawing just for a second. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. An anchor for your soul. I said an anchor for your soul. Say that. Say an anchor for my soul. Come on, say an anchor for my soul. Who is Jesus the Lord? I said, who is Jesus the Lord? Oh, for the blood will never lose its power. I said, the blood will never lose its power. The blood will never lose its power. They're going to sing us out of here on the blood will never lose its power. I want to tell you this. I made a little bit of a mistake last week. Listen up. Ooh, a mistake. I told you that December is a wonderful month. There's a bunch of great people born in December. Amen? Amen. Yours truly. I named a few, but I missed a bunch. And some of them let me know about it. That was just Heath. Amen. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) With every hand lifted to heaven. I pray this December will be a December to remember in Jesus' mighty name. I feel that in my spirit strong. This December will be a December to remember in Jesus' mighty name. You'll be able to look back and say, December, I started as a stump. December started as a stump, but it finished in victory in Jesus' mighty name. I believe the rest of this year is going to be the best of this year. Oh, Tyler, there's only a handful of weeks. Oh, they're going to be the best weeks you'll see yet in Jesus' mighty name. I believe before this year out, hear me, God is going to do something great. And God's dropped the word of the Lord in my spirit for 2024. But you'll have to come New Year's Eve to find out what it is. Now, Father, I pray you bless these people, you keep these people. You cause your face to shine upon these people. They're rising up. They're lying down. They're coming in. They're going forth. Each and every day they live to see the gift of another sunrise. May they know they're blessed and highly favored by Almighty God. In Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said. Said all God's people said. Have the best week of your life. Come on, sing.